Welcome back, 9 o'clock, or if you're just joining us, thanks for hanging out with us. Jim Davis along with Max Ryan today and for Buckeye and for Cake today. Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. The good, the bad, the ugly. Bronco Sarge. Can't believe that we have not brought up the the do-over down from Kansas City yesterday in the Bengals game. We'll do that in just a moment. Is there something you need to say? or I just don't have a nickname, and I'm okay with that. I think knowing the do nickname you want, history... Do you want to be Maximus booth, Rock? Because you do no, use that. No. no, I'm just saying I'm okay in the short studio right in the sidecar gym without a nickname. I just, with the other guy that doesn't have a nickname. I don't have a nickname, and I'm okay with that. you got a great name, Jim. They're, Power they're, name. They're, yeah, because yeah, Jim Davis was better known for drawing Garfield. It's a power name. You, a lasagna-eating cat. Yeah. See, and then there was the um, the actor that played Jock Ewing on Dallas. Wow. The patriarch of the Ewing clan was actor Jim Davis. Very good. Yeah. Very good. That's about it. All I know is of a German actor who played some very tiny, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> what do you call them? Uh, working actor roles, those those character actor roles. Some guy from Germany has my name, and that's what happens when you Google search it. And in case anybody's doing that today or this morning, yeah. But uh, Bronco Sarge says I'm I'm kind of shocked. Well, if it's a three hour show, Bronco Sarge. We've got a lot of show here. I'm not gonna just run that right out of the gate necessarily. The third down, the do over the refs gave the Chiefs. Now, to provide context on what he's talking about, there was third down and a little about, about 10 minutes left to go in the game. Cincinnati stopped the Chiefs to bring up what should have been fourth down, but the officials determined that a whistle was blown before the ball was snapped, and instead of the Chiefs getting ready to punt, they got another chance to convert on third down. Once again, the noise at Arrowhead prevented the other officials from hearing the whistle. Bengals coach Zach Taylor was losing his mind on the sidelines. Next play, Patrick Mahomes gets sacked for an eight-yard loss, but Bengals cornerback Eli Apple got called for holding. Ultimately, the Bengals held, and then the next drive, they forced a punt. The next drive, that's when Joe Burrow threw the interception. So, yeah, it it was a bad call with the noise of Arrowhead contributing to the officials having a difficult time communicating. I guess I would have made a bigger deal about it if it had actually cost Cincinnati points. It didn't. And so, while yeah, they screwed it up. Let's just, let's just be honest about that. At least... The, the, the positive aspect is it didn't cost Cincinnati points. But then Burrow, the next drive, though, did throw the pick. and I don't – I saw the, the replay, the video footage of what happened on that play. You did have the far-line judge coming in to wave off the play. Unfortunately, it wasn't near anybody's peripheral vision. It didn't seem like anybody involved in the play – knew that referee was there. 
Maybe another referee has to make the call somewhere a little more visible, but he was on the field trying to blow the whistle, trying to blow it dead, and unfortunately the noise of, yeah, the stadium was substantial. and He just couldn't get anybody's attention, so it it was a bang-bang play. A lot of those you know, happened like that, and it, it didn't seem like the officials might have been able to do anything more, maybe besides being yeah. perhaps more organized before that play even started. Yeah, I just think the, the, the crowd noise created the problem, the lack of communication, and Ronald Torbert, who was the referee yesterday, the, you know, indicated that you know, the, the play was shut down, the third down play was shut down, and the clock should not have started. Right. So, this leads to the whole thing of though, are they were they trying to let Kansas City win? You know, lack of a holding call on Orlando Brown on on that key Patrick Mahomes run. Like I don't think anybody was tr- trying to let the wanted the Chiefs to win more than they wanted the Bengals to win. <laughs> S- stop that. Was it was it poorly poorly executed or taken care of? I guess, I guess so. But then the crowd noise created the problem for the officials, like it can occasionally for an opposing quarterback. You think at that moment they would have been quieter at Arrowhead, right? Because Chiefs had the ball, right? They would have been quieter. That place, that, that's, that's a tough place to play. And the bulletin board material of Burrowhead, you know, just added probably two or three decibels to the meter. Uh, in Kansas City yesterday, Jim, it was it was big. It was loud, and, and the Chiefs had the signs up. The fans knew. That's uh, yeah. From the top down, that organization was ready to play, and they had enough, you know, fuel in the fire. And the fact that they went in there a little bit with underdog with the underdog status, the Chiefs. I mean, it probably added more yeah. to their motivation level because they because they did they turned into the underdog. They did. Bengals were, were the guys talking talking smack. And you had Mahomes with the ankle injury, and it, it did. It created a situation where all of a sudden Kansas City, they were the underdog. And they delivered yesterday. Whether you like necessarily all the calls that happened or didn't happen. But Bronco Sarge says, that was ridiculous, and it was at this point you knew that New York wanted the Chiefs. I still believe there were no fans for five, for five years ago to play in the Super Bowl. Terrible go Eagles. I'm with you on the Go Eagles part, being a Broncos fan. It's going to be hard to say, though. I I, I just don't. Fly. Nobody in New York wanted. Eagles fly. Yeah, nobody. It, it wasn't that New York wanted the Chiefs to win. The crowd noise screwed them up. It, lo- it, it, was, it had a bad look, but he also said the play never happened. I'd give the MVP to the entire Chiefs defense. Those guys were just locked in, man. Jones. Yep. The, Clark up front. The rookie quarter, cornerbacks. They played really, really well. And they lost Snead during that game. And, yep. you know, they give give Kansas City credit for, for getting it done. Got one from Steve today. Good. Avs starting to get hot at the right time. Bad. Russ's deal is now a factor in getting a head coach. Ugly. Seems like we are in Dayton, Ohio this whole winter. Haven't had two sunny days in a row for months. And Tony Romo not knowing about Burrowhead. He's regressing. Let's let's talk about that for a moment. Tony Romo, who was it last week, the perfect pass that was just off target. How can a pass be perfect and be off target? When he was calling the, the Kansas City Jacksonville game. I I have to agree with, with Steve. I 
and, and there's a lot of people in the national media that are like, what the hell's wrong with Tony Romo now? That he was a wonder kid when he could, hey, they're going to they're gonna run a screen here. And he knew, boom, boom, boom. Well, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore for Tony. And there are times, I, I have to admit, when I, when I watch Tony Romo, I, get a, I almost get a feeling he doesn't prepare like he should. You know, like, not about the burrow head thing. That's a storyline. That's part of the story. And, I mean, I think he made some valid points about how the Bengals talking smack. Mahomes' injury was going to force him to be in the pocket more. It was going to be motivation for Mahomes to show people that he could win that game playing on a bad ankle. He could win from the pocket if he had to. There was, there was valid points, but there was a lot of stuff where you just kind of go, is he watching the same game I'm watching? Does he know the things that are, are going on with this game? And you watch a guy like Herb Street. I mean, Herb Street is not only doing NFL now, but he's doing college football. Herbie, to me, always seems prepared. I think Greg Olson always seems prepared. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens because remember, Tom Brady's supposed to be the number one team color analyst. If he decides to retire, what do they do about Greg Olson? I think Greg Olson's done a really nice job. I I have to admit that the, the, the luster has kind of worn off Tony Romo a little bit. This postseason is kind of, I think, highlighted that, unfortunately. I, I don't hate Tony Romo. I don't think he's a bad guy. I just think there are times that that maybe he is not as prepared as he probably has been in the past. I think he wants to be on the golf course right now. His handicap is unbelievable right now, and he is he could probably get his PGA card if he wanted to, Jim. But they're I'm paying him sure. a lot of money, they though, are. Max, to yeah, uh, but to, I think, to not be on the golf course. I so. think that's it, though. And you said it. When you start to lose interest, your preparation level dips a little bit. It's kind of like when players secure the bag, when they get the big contracts, almost every time, 90% of the time, production dips. It can be kind of the same situation in the broadcast booth. You know, with Tony Romo, he was ready to go the first year, the second year. He's got a lot of enthusiasm about the job. He's working next to Jim Nance, one of the best voices in sports broadcasting history. And it's all, you know, engines go. It's firing all cylinders. And then you get to the wall, and all of a sudden, you got to do this all the time. And And you know, Jim, it's not a job that is easy whatsoever. It's a job that's meticulous, takes a lot of preparation. You've got a ton of things to think about on any given play any given pregame segment all that stuff and then on top of it you got to sound like you know what you're talking about be coherent and you know in the last couple of years I've noticed that Tony has had those moments when a he doesn't sound coherent b he's stepping on Jim Nance and then like you said the fact that he doesn't maybe prepare as much as he should because he's resting on the laurels of the first two years of his career. Yeah, I just kind of get that feeling anymore when I when I hear him do a game that the, the preparation, the attention to detail isn't what it once was and in the first couple of years. I think a, a lot of these companies, CBS, uh, NBC, Fox, they are relying on the past experience of the player to carry them. But if you look at what happened to Drew Brees... 
sometimes that's not going to work out. And I think it's, it's a 50-50 shot with Tom Brady, depending on when he makes his mind up, if they're going to have a same situation, something akin to what Drew Brees went through with NBC. Let's see from Dylan this morning, the good, the avalanche, bad, and the ugly officiating in the Bengals-Chiefs game. Uh, past few CBS games, I think Tony Romo sounds like he's on the sauce sometimes. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to say that, Dylan. But I don't think Tony is as sharp as he normally has been. Well, I think put it that a, way. I think it's a good question for you, Jim. Have you ever, you know, gone to a go-to in the booth? Not like you know Joe Buck or Troy Aikman style, but you've got a little something on the side to, you know, wet the whistle, keep it going. It's mean not like, like you crack open like, a like bottle a, of Casadore when I'm in there you like with a, you. Me like a Coke Zero, a little Margaritaville <laughs> in the booth with Jim. No, it's not like no. that. No, no. Have I ever been in the booth? Was not me. Was somebody that took a little nip? Yes. <laughs> long, long time ago. And I'm like, whoa. Okay. Uh, I mean, but the individual never, never got drunk or anything like that. It was just a little, and then right back in the briefcase. Just it's like a little, like a little hip flask. It's like a bam. little dip, little boop, little and, schnapps. and that was it. A little rumple mints. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it was just boop and that is spicy. Yeah, but no, that's that is spicy. Look, I have a hard enough time doing this thing, <laughs> stone cold sober. Okay, much less uh, the challenge of. And remember, there was the thing about Buck and Aikman. They would do a little, uh, yeah. a little. Yeah. Uh, if they're if they can do the job and do it well, I don't care. Okay, but if you sound like you're drunk, then you're making your, then you sound and look unprofessional, and that to me, it's a bad thing to do. There was a- you should not try to call a game when you've been, and I don't know if Tony Romo if he's you know throwing down some Coronas or what. I don't know. Coronas sponsor. Because he's doing what he's doing now, uh, Michelob Ultra. Because he's doing his Carl Spackler. Yeah, the Caddyshack. He's doing his Carl Spackler thing. Yeah, yeah. it's not bad. It's okay. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad. When I first saw the commercial, I'm like, are they going to pan up and show me Bill Murray? It's almost sacrilege. And No, there, there's Tony Romo. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he's uh, inheriting, inheriting some of Carl Spackler's favorite things. I just, I just think he wants to play golf, man. I think the guy needs to You know, to if you ever want to get golf. weird sometime. Cannibal. <laughs> Cannibal. Cannibal. It's about to become it's got that, the Masters champion. Got that going for you. So oh, it's in the hole. I got that going for me. I got that going for me. Chris this morning, good, bad, and the ugly. Good, the Avs working through their injury issues and playing more consistent good hockey. Bad, the officiating yesterday in both games. But totally agree there was nothing pre-planned about who the winner will be. Ugly, Jim, I usually agree with you, but couldn't disagree more with Greg Olson. Dude, it's painful for me to listen to. I don't think, Chris, I don't think he's the best in the world. I don't think I don't think Holson's terrible though. I like Kevin Burkhart. It's wildly, uh, I, but I'll, I'll tell you what: I take Herbie over. I take Herbie over Olson. The people I talk to when it comes to that subject, wildly opinionated all over the map, yeah. who their favorites are. Yeah, I, I'm not saying Greg Olson is my favorite. I think I just don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's horrible. I think sometimes his, his delivery, because he's you can tell he's still kind of new to it, and but but the information I hear doesn't it doesn't uh, 
like with Tony Romo. Well, that's a that's a perfect pass that was a little little off target. Well, no, a perfect pass is a perfect pass. A perfect pass can't be off target, Tony. What what are you what are you saying? When he said that last week, I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? In the in the Kansas City Jacksonville game, I'm like, what are you talking about? A perfect pass is a perfect pass. A perfect pass cannot. Oh, I was just like, come on, dude, come on. I've got one from uh, Greg Marmalard, favorite college student body president. Good morning, Greg. The good Valor alum. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, beast mode run, the bad, officiating an AFC championship game, the ugly, the Broncos head coaching search. Good morning, Jim and Max. Good morning to you, Greg. Always good to hear from you. Hey, Greg. Sir, good morning, Greg. All right. Text your calls, 970-242-1340. Um, let's see, one from Larry from Clifton. I heard on football last night that Ryans is going to coach in Houston. That's what we keep hearing is D'Amico Ryans will be the Texans' next head coach. Go Eagles. I want them to destroy the Chiefs. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Appreciate that. All right, 917. Jim along with uh, Max today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Uh, let's take a quick look at uh, this past weekend, high school sports here in the Grand Valley across the Western Slope. And to start out with basketball, where you have the Central Girls and Boys teams, they swept their home games with Eagle Valley Saturday. The Warrior Girls beat the Devils 61-32 to move to 9-6. and Christina Manzanares, she's healthy once again and playing really well for Mary Doan. She scored 19 points and hit four threes uh, for Central. Bryn Wagner adding 16 points and two threes. Central Boys, they beat Eagle Valley 66-50 to improve to 13-4. and The Warriors' Jackson Amos scored 20 points and hit four threes. Both Central teams host Montrose tomorrow night on the team, part of our full-court coverage with pregame at 5:15, in other games, the Fruit of Monument girls are 2-0 in the Southwestern League after beating Durango 30-28 on Saturday. The Wildcat boys are also 2-0 in league after hammering the Demons 75-31. Wildcats Daniel Thomason scored 17 in the win as both Fruit of teams host Grand Junction tomorrow night, part of our full court coverage. The Montrose basketball team split with Durango on Friday. The Red Hot girls fell to the Demons 44-26 with Briar Moss scoring 10 points in the loss. Montrose boys defeated Durango 42-34 behind 14 from Caleb Ferguson. Once again, we'll have uh, Montrose at Central tomorrow night on the team. Delta basketball team split at Summit Saturday. The Panther girls picked up a narrow 40-39 win with the Delta boys losing to the Tigers 67-53. Both teams play a rifle tomorrow night on the Monkey that is 95.7 of the Valley, 97.1 in Delta pregame at 545. The 5A 7th-ranked Central Wrestling Team, they continue their winning ways this past weekend. The Warriors won their third straight tournament in taking the championship at the Mile High Classic at Thomas Jefferson High School. 106-pound Eli Hernandez and 132-pound Hassan Maines both won championships with five of the Warriors taking second place. The Fruto Monument Wrestling Team took third at the Davy Swenson Invitational in Hiram, Utah. The Wildcats had three second-place finishers in Gino Gallegos, Dylan Chelowitzki, and True Tobias. And in the District 51 Phoenix Girls Wrestling Team, they faced the top two teams in the state at the Chatfield Warhorse Invitational. Top-ranked Chatfield won the title with second-ranked Discovery Canyon taking second place. Six-ranked uh, six E51 was led by 190-pound Layla Castro. She finished in third place. All right, 919, Jim along with uh, Max today. And we're giving you a chance to win a table for the big game out of Buffalo Wild Wings. You have a chance to win a table for six people and 50 wings. And we have, what, a shareable appetizer that uh, folks can win today here on the program. So what you have to do is text us B-dubs. 
fifth texter to 970-242-1340. That's 970-242-1340. Text B-dubs to 970-242-1340. And the first, uh, the fifth texter, excuse me, not the first, the fifth texter at 970-242-1340. You get that shareable appetizer from Buffalo Wild Wings and you get qualified to win that table for six people, 50 wings. It's our big game giveaway with Buffalo Wild Wings out at Mesa Mall. So text in B-dubs right now. Please put your first name, last name on your text as well. We'd appreciate that. Fifth texter gets qualified today. Text in to 970-242-1340. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the team, Sports Network. Touchdown every morning. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back. 924, Jim and Max Ryan today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. Some thoughts about yesterday's games. Obviously, a lot of you thought the officiating was terrible. There were some moments that were, were pretty bad. I, I can't disagree. Missed call on Orlando Brown on the Patrick Mahomes run that eventually set up the game-winning field goal from Harrison Butker. I just I just hate to sit around and rip on people or officials. I'm just I, you know look the the third down do over play. I thought Torbert tried to explain it as best he could of why they're letting them redo the down. I'm I'm just I just have a hard time buying into this pile. Oh, New York wa- they didn't want the Bengals to be there. Uh, I don't know, really. You wouldn't want Joe Burrow, rising star in this league, you wouldn't you wouldn't want him to be going to the Super Bowl again. Do you think New York really cares what? Because it's, it's what the market. Well, Kansas City certainly has developed a, a following and a reputation, but it's not like it's New York or L.A. And you're also talking about two of the young stars of the league. Why, I mean, why would you not want the Bengals to go? What's it's it's a great story if they go back, right? Joe Burrow, third season, already playing in his second Super Bowl. It's a great story. Mahomes, though, is a better story because, well, or or, or if you wanted, or for example, you wanted. The Chiefs, you didn't didn't think they wanted the Chiefs to be there. Why wouldn't you want the Chiefs to be there if you're the NFL? You've got Patrick Mahomes. You've got Andy Reid. You already had the Eagles going there. Reid goes up against his former team. That's saucy. That's exciting. Why wouldn't you want that? I can't I can't make a I can't make a case for either side where the where New York would go, where the NFL office would go. Yeah, we don't want those guys there. We don't want them playing. Burrow and Mahomes, is it now the 21st century version of Manning-Brady? It's kind of turning into that, isn't it? And finally for Mahomes, he was able to, to get one on Joe Burrow. And now he's his team playing in the Super Bowl. 
you know, whether bad calls, non-calls, poorly executed when it came to the third down do-over, sure. But I'm, I'm never one to go, oh, they, they, the, the fix is in. The fix is in. Stop that. Every team has storylines. Everybody has those that develop throughout the year. You could pick, you know, uh, Baker's dozen of the entire 32 NFL franchises that you could pick and create a feel-good story about and then manufacture some Super Bowl appearance for them. But, you know, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't agree with it either. It's like every time you hear somebody excuse uh, use the, refs, the excuse, they always preface it or the fact that is, you know, you should have played better the entire game, all three phases of football. How about not throw two picks right. for Joe Burrow? How about protect him so he can have some time yeah. to throw the ball against, you know, a Chiefs unit that is susceptible. But, you know, if they're playing like they are yesterday, that's going to be a hard team to beat. That's a really complete team without, you know, even as Patrick Mahomes gets better. Yeah, that's you're, you're going to have a tough time every time beating, you know, KC. And it showed throughout the regular season how good they were and what it mean, meant to them to be back at the top of the mountain. You know, same story goes for not only the Bengals, but the Eagles, you know, the San Francisco 49ers, those top seeds in both conferences and how they made it to where they, you know, either finished or where they're going in a couple of weeks from now, Jim. It's just, yeah, it, and it, it, the best teams won. And, and that was that's it. And usually that's the case across sports. Yeah, I. Yesterday the Eagles were were better than the Niners, and part of that was Brock Purdy, which uh, he has an MRI on his elbow today. It looks like a UCL injury on his elbow. But that gets back to the thing we talked about to start the program about not having a an emergency quarterback, having a third player that's not an active roster guy, but he's there, he's suited up. And if one of the other, the two active roster quarterbacks gets hurt, then that guy can play. But if he plays before the fourth quarter, you've got to ride with that guy. That guy is your guy. You cannot play the other quarterback. If you say you think the other guy's stinking out loud and you play the, the third string quarterback who's now your backup, then you've got to ride with that guy. And I think it, sh- it shouldn't count against your roster. He's a player that can only play in a very specific situation. And once again, I'm not saying that if, say, they had whoever as their emergency quarterback. Let's say Garoppolo would have been healthy. It would have been Purdy and then Garoppolo and then Josh Johnson was the emergency quarterback. That if Garoppolo would have played and got hurt after Purdy got hurt and and Josh Johnson got to play, they're going to win that game. Certainly wouldn't have been able to move the football more effectively, but at least had a better chance at at converting some, you know, some third downs, making some plays offensively, than Brock Purdy not being able to throw the football at all, and Christian McCaffrey trying to, you know, do what he did. I mean, it was the the, the run was cool, but you're not going to win the football game against Philadelphia doing that. And it's the NFC championship game. Eagles, by the way, a two-and-a-half-point favorite heading into Sunday. You think that's from the Mahomes injury? Or heading to Super Bowl Sunday. Those two points feels like it's the Patrick Mahomes ankle. Yeah, probably. I'm, I'm sure that they're looking at it that way. That Though, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that number move a little bit within the next two weeks, oh, depending yeah. on how his ankle looks and and some of those things. So, Which, obviously, yesterday didn't get any... 
didn't take a shot before the game. Tracy Wolfson from CBS reported that, that he, he didn't take a pain-killing shot. They uh, He gave his, the training staff a ton of credit for getting him into position where the ankle had enough flexibility where he could plant and throw and where he could operate in a fairly normal basis. It's, it's, how, it's pretty remarkable. It's how good the dude is. <clears throat> when he's 85% Patrick Mahomes, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He could be 65%. And he's still one of the best guys in the league, because he was probably, uh, he was probably fifty-five, sixty percent yesterday. I mean, his mobility you could tell was still limited. Yeah, he moved around better, obviously, than during the Jacksonville game, but mm-hmm. still, you could tell it was causing him problems. And he still threw for three twenty-six and two touchdowns. Yeah, no pick. <laughs> Travis Kelsey injured back, still has like seventy-eight yards and a touchdown. Okay, before we get to this day in sports history, by the way, it's still time to text in today the good, the bad, the ugly, 970-242-1340. Oh, I do believe uh, we have a winner, do we not, for our uh, B-dubs giveaway? I believe so. Uh, I've got uh, Mr. Tim Ochoa coming into texter number five. Okay, so congratulations. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. All right, so congratulations to Tim. We'll play it again tomorrow throughout the week, and then we'll draw for a winner coming up on Friday. I believe we're doing it. i got to double-check. We're doing this entire week or the entire two weeks. We will let you know. We'll play it again tomorrow, and then we'll have uh, some final details on that. Uh, let's see. A good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, let's see. Good. Nathaniel Hackett's just a bad memory. Bad. The name Jackalope's the least threatening mythological creature in all of fantasy lore. The ugly, the abomination they built at 28 and a quarter road and orchard to disguise the new cell phone tower. Looks like a giant toilet brush. Just awful. GJ and GJ. I haven't seen it yet. The the cell phone tower. You, uh, are you, are, have you seen it? Yes. Uh, you're aware of what he's referring to. Like those trees? The yes, trees. yeah, those supposed to look like a giant big... brown yeah. and just terrible green. It looks like a it's like a third grader is painting a palm tree, like a jungle <laughs> tree. It's so terrible. I Like I said, I, I have not seen it, but yeah. now I'm going to have to check it out. Like it's, it's like a piece of kids' macaroni art. You say you're going to put on the fridge, but you don't because you're like, this isn't good. Because it's, it's an abomination, as yes. you said. Uh, the Jackalope's name, yeah, I'm, when, when it came out, I'm like, eh. to me, it's, it has ties more to Wyoming. It's Jackrabbits would have been good. I'm fine with Jackrabbits. We have Jackrabbits around here. Was uh mythical, like, animal the theme? Was there some sort of, like, exploratory committee that said, let's talk about mythical creatures and let's pick Jackalope? I'm, well, it was, I think it was fan voting played a role in that, uh, in, the, in the selection process. So. Yeah, can't be, right. the, can't be the Grand Junction Chupacabras, I guess. <laughs> Have we had a Chupacabra sighting on the Western Slope? <laughs> you would know better than probably, I, Probably at you some point. I don't know. Somebody's I. probably, you know, they, you know, they had enough uh, Southern Comfort and, uh, you know, a few too many Coors Lights or Coors Banquet beer and thought that they saw Chupacabra. Yeah, Chupacabra. The Grand Junction Chupacabras. It just 
Does it roll off the tongue? Not, not, I can't say that it really does. All right. There's an article today in the Denver Post, uh, Sean Keeler, writing about uh, Dave Logan's advice for Coach Prime that Sanders wants the Buffs to be composed of 80% transfers, 20% high school recruits. And Dave Logan, of course, voice of the Broncos, multi-time state championship football coach, Cherry Creek, Mullen, A-West back in the day, that um, Dave Logan was asked by Keeler if if, uh, Deion Sanders had contacted him. I mean, he coaches Cherry Creek. It's the best high school football program in the state. And he said, he, I have not heard from Coach Prime. He said he talked with CU tight ends coach Tim Brewster that, um, that Brewster and Logan had, uh, they were at, you know, they, they go back a little bit. Brewster's kids uh, play or at Mullen when Brewster was on the Broncos staff from 05 to 06. And so there's a relationship there. But they're really, but as far as Deion Sanders calling Dave Logan to say, hey, I'd love to have some of your kids on my football team. We'd love to recruit your kids. Let's talk about this. That 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 conversation hasn't happened. And Logan said, you know, I'm interested in getting this program back to a level of relevance. It's been down way too long. And that that Dion's the Dion's show is running CU football. And he, he tends to think that's that's a good thing. He says, I'm, I'm from a coaching standpoint, I would say I'm anxious to see how Sanders staff approaches in-state recruiting because I don't think that CU has done a particularly good job in the last handful-plus years in that area. And so, for Sanders, he wants the buffs to be composed of 40% undergrad transfers, 40% grad transfers, and 20% high school football recruits. So 20% of 85 scholarships is 17 players. So you're going to be pretty limited in terms of in-state recruiting about who you're going to be able to bring in. Because if you're recruiting nationally, and if that's that's how your roster is composed of essentially 17 scholarship guys, we're talking about four or five-star guys from other states, like the McLean kid, others that are coming in, and so where does that leave Colorado football players? I'm curious. Is that, is that on paper that like Coach Prime said that out loud somewhere? That those are the numbers that he that he's relayed of what he would like the roster to be composed of in terms of grad transfers. Boy. Of 40% grad transfers, 40% undergrad transfers. The transfer portal his, is his like secret weapon? Well, so far, yeah. yes. I mean, for that playing a game yet yes it's it's how this team well his own son Shadir who's gonna be the quarterback for the buffs transfer from Jackson State and I do know that he gave Travis Hunter I do know he gave most of like everybody on the current roster for CU his blessing to go wherever they'd like yep that is true so while he says that maybe he wants to recruit Colorado kids that's gonna be tough when you only have 17 you know, of your 85% scholarships, that's 17 players. Is he- I don't know how that's going to work with you when you're nationally recruiting. How are you going to get Colorado kids 
onto your football team. I when, when, without because you're going to recruit nationally. You're not you're not going to walk away from kids in Texas and California and, and Florida and so. What's that percentage actually look like for Colorado kids? It's what five scholarships? He's betting, Three? What is he betting on himself? <laughs> like that's the thing. Is he trying to work smarter, not harder? And just saying that is has put like the the disclaimer out there that Coach Prime is ready and willing. Hey, swipe right on Coach Prime <laughs> in the transfer portal, and you've got yourself a relationship that's going to get you where you want to go. I, I just think in in the case of Deion Sanders, he wants to build this team through the transfer portal. Yes. Let, let's just be honest. That's what he's doing. Yes. And that's what he plans on doing. And it, and, and he's going to nationally recruit. Yeah. So you can you can sit here and say, hey, if you know you need to recruit in state. I just think he's kind of looking at it, you know, without, without him saying anything. As I don't really need to recruit kids in state. Obviously, I'm, he's he's a he's a national brand. You know, yep. The McLean kid from Florida, top cornerback mm-hmm. in this year's high school class, signing with the Buffaloes. They're, they're, his focus is going to be on recruiting nationally. It's not going to be on recruiting, particularly if he wants those percentages to stay where they are in terms of, of, of grad transfers, of, of transfer portal guys. Unless that number gets dialed back somewhere and he increases the number of kids he wants to recruit, high school players... That doesn't leave a lot of opportunity for any Colorado kids. Yeah, it just it just doesn't. No, it and, sounds like yeah. And, and and my feeling is, and we got talented kids in the state. But if you're Deion Sanders, your number one job is to build the program. And if that means restoring the success by the transfer portal, you're going to use the what you feel like is the best tool to get the job done. He feels like that's the best tool to get the job done. And we've seen that success at Jackson State. Is it? I you know I, I wish more. I, you know Jay Norvell. I think he's I think he's done a better job. Obviously, recruiting Colorado. Jay Norvell, the coach at CSU. But if your roster is going to be com- composed the way Deion Sanders has it put together, the composition of it, I, I'm not sure. It's you're just paying lip service, and you're and you're not going to do anything different. What Carl Durrell or Mike McIntyre or anybody else did before. There'll be some Colorado kids. There just won't be very many of them. Well, this is the new landscape of college football, and Coach Prime obviously leaning into it. He's using yeah, the transfer portal, he's using NIL, he's using his brand personally to create attention on his you know, spot where he's at currently, because I don't think this is, and I don't know if NIL will factor into this, like creating a, a program that sustains itself with tradition, with exposure, with success on the field. You know, is that a thing of the past? I mean, can you even talk about Blue Bloods anymore, like on a college football field because of what NIL represents? Because you got monikers and outliers like Coach Prime saying, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to use it to its maximum effect. I'm going to get kids into the NFL no matter where I'm at because I have the idea of who I am. Coach Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, his you know track record speaks for himself, and he's doing the same thing himself that he wants his players to do create a brand, go somewhere, make some money, get to the NFL as soon as you can and you know I mean he's, he's been pretty upfront about he has. Our my, his job is to 
get guys ready to play in the NFL. Yep. Particularly cornerbacks, because that's obviously his specialty. And and for Dave Logan at Cherry Creek, that since 2020, 11 players on you know 24-7 sports, their annual top 15 cover prospects, 11 of the 15 have been Cherry Creek players. But the Post reports that only three of those kids are committed to an in-state school. And like I said, when you have when when your roster is going to be dominated by transfer guys, and you only have that many scholarships, I just I just don't see how that number gets better. I don't think it does with with the way with the way not just Deion and it's not just a Deion Sanders thing. It's it's how coaches are now approaching building their college football team. And it's building it through the transfer portal. What used to be Junior college transfers used to be a way that it, you see on the RMAC where schools would, whether it's like a Highlands or Western New Mexico when they were in the conference, even at times here at Mesa, get a bunch of JC guys, guys that have experience. You're only going to get them for two years, but they can perhaps get you over the hump and maybe put you in a position to win an RMAC title, maybe be a playoff team. That the team that Tremaine Jackson had was a team comprised of a lot of transfer portal guys. They came very close to, to getting into the D2 playoffs. I, I just don't know when, if you're not planning on changing how you build your roster, I don't know how you get more Colorado kids in, whether it's it's fair or not. But we'll see. Maybe Deion Sanders will, will, make, will be dedicated to trying to increase those numbers. For however long he's at the University of Colorado, who knows how long that's going to be. All right, uh, 944. Jim along with Max today. Text or call. It's still time to get your text in. 970-242-1340. Uh, from Guru Gary. Couple. Uh, morning, guys. Good. Mahomes. Crash and burn embellishment on the late hit. Uh, bad roughing the kicker penalty. Looked like he was pushed in the back. into the kicker. Ugly. Uh, Josh fumbles. So sad for him. Columbine Park tree is really ugly. Hope some kid doesn't decide to climb it and get hurt. Me too. Uh, let's see what else do we have. I think we're pretty much caught up on most of our text today. All right, 945, and it's time for This Day in Sports History. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's This Day in Sports History. All right, we go back to 1994. Dallas Cowboys win their second straight Super Bowl against the Buffalo Bills. The uh, Cowboys, led by MVP Emmitt Smith, uh, they win 30-13 to for their second straight NFL championship. Also, uh, going back actually before that, 1983, John Riggins, the diesel, rushes for a Super Bowl record 166 yards as Washington beats Miami and 58 or 38 carries 166 yards as they get the win in that one by the score of 27 to 17. 1996, Magic Johnson returns from his four and a half year retirement. That uh, Magic with 19 points, 10 assists, and eight rebounds, and the Lakers win over Golden State in his return after stepping away after uh, contracting HIV. 2000, St. Louis Rams hold Tennessee Titans one yard shy of end zone to win the Super Bowl. 
where this Kevin Dyson down around the one, stretching, stretching, trying to get it to the goal line, and he just can't do it. With a minute 54 left as the Rams win the Super Bowl. And, of course, the incredible story of Kurt Warner during all that. Uh, 2006, one-time ab, Timu Solani scores two goals for his 1,000th career point, does it in a um, Mighty Ducks jersey. And 2009, Rafael Nadal wins longest match in Australian Open history as he gets the win in that back in 2009. All right, 947, we'll take a break, and we'll return with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Who do I listen to? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader. Whoever suggested that has got to be smoking crack and plenty of it. The Team. Nah, nah, honey, I'm good. I could have another, but I probably should not. I got somebody at home. It's been a long night here. Welcome back, Jim, along with Max Ryan. Today, the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Tomorrow, we'll have Mav Day. We'll talk with uh, Mike DeGeorge, Maverick men's coach, Taylor Wagner, women's basketball coach at CMU. And uh, that's coming up tomorrow on the program. Buckeye boy back. Tell about his uh, trip. Tell us all about his trip to St. Martin. So uh, that's coming up on tomorrow's program. All right, 9.50. Time to open up the lid and hop in. It's garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. All right, uh, Novak Djokovic. Remember when he got uh, booted out of Australia because he wouldn't get vaccinated? Well, he claimed his 10th Australian Open title yesterday. He uh, equals Rafael Nadal's 22 Grand Slam crowns, overcame the hamstring injury, um, of course, all the off-the-court stuff to return to Melbourne Park to uh, get the victory. So, Novak Djokovic, your Australian Open winner yesterday. Do you have anything? Yeah. One, our former colleague, uh, Ryan Gruel, I, I can't ever get over how much he looks like Novak Djokovic. There's a striking resemblance. He should go to Las Vegas or somewhere and catch like 20 bucks a pop <laughs> for, you know, just like people who don't know any better. Work, work on, you know, that yeah. Serbian? Kind of Serbian accent. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if him and the Joker ever like hang out in like the Serbian... Hall of Fame, the Athletic Hall of Fame. Anyway. They should. Yeah. My uh, my garbage time, I've, one I've been looking forward to uh, all morning, Jim, is despite the Eagles' great success this year. Right. They have a long track record. I should say their fan base has a long track record of being the absolute worst human beings on the planet. Now, if you didn't see it last night, there was a sign in Philadelphia already geared up. said, Grease the Poles. All right, if you don't if you're not familiar, Jim, you probably are. Last time they won the Super Bowl, last time they went there, uh the municipality of Philadelphia decided to grease up light poles in of course anticipation of the uh celebration that Eagles fans would go through. You also might have remembered an Eagles fan eating actual horse crap in the uh. Super Bowl celebration. I don't know if you remember the Eagles fans beating up Santa in the middle of a football game. Yes. I don't know if you remember the Eagles fans throwing ice balls at Vern Lundquist because of the open air uh, you know, broadcast booth they have there at the Lincoln Financial place. Uh, perhaps you remember uh, them throwing D batteries at people like Doug Peterson in the mid-90s. Maybe you, any of them, right? Maybe 
when Peterson remember, was playing for them. Yes, when remember, he was a quarterback. Maybe you remember Chief <clears throat> C, an homage to the past of the Commanders going to Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia, getting his butt beat not once, but twice. And this is, of course, not just Eagles. You've got the Phillies. You've got the Flyers. There was a Flyers fan that went into the penalty box to go take on a tie Domi of all people. Not a smart move. Oh that was my! It's a, a bad move. Right? Don't do that. There was. There's plenty of Eagles fans that have numerous occasions. My per, probably my personal favorite and probably the most disgusting is the guy who was escorted out of a Philadelphia Phillies game for drunk and disorderly conduct. On his way out, he vomited. On purpose, on an off-duty police officer and his 11-year-old daughter. This this is Philadelphia in a nutshell. I have stay classy, Philly. I have stay Eagles classy. fans that are my friends, and they always like to jump on. Hey, we're going to the Super Bowl this year, and I never fail to remind them that that is their legacy. Yeah, your fans eat poop. <laughs> I don't, I don't horse have, poop. I don't have to say anything else. Do that's, you want, I don't that's, have to. Do nope, I? that's it. That's mic drop right there. Uh, if you ever watched the show HBO Real Sports with Brian Gumble, which I think is a, a great, great show, they have a piece on uh, about uh, Jordan Murphy that played football at the University of Colorado and Riken Posey. Riken plays football for Lutheran High School. Riken and his sister, they were survivors at Sandy Hook. And Jordan Murphy was at the Aurora Theater shooting. And so they have developed a bond over the years when the Riken, uh, when the Posey family moved from back east out to Colorado. And Jordan is now Riken's football coach at Lutheran High School. Really nice piece about how the two of them, who were both involved in mass shootings, how they've helped each other over the years. And it's a really great piece on on those uh, those two individuals that uh, share, tragically, sadly, the a a, a common incident, uh, a mass shooting. But uh, really good piece on HBO Real Sports. Uh, that they had the other night uh, when I had the chance to to watch that. Anyway, that's our show for today. Thanks again for joining us. Jim Rome's coming up next. Max, appreciate a great job. See you back here tomorrow morning at 7.